Welcome to Dudes on Movies, a podcast where dudes talk about movies. I'm your dude, Scott. I'm your dude, Dave. And today we're discussing 1931's M, directed by Fritz Lang and starring Peter Lorre. But before we do that, let's talk about what we've been watching. Dave, what have you been watching? Dude, there's a movie. It's it's called The Baby. Um, Okay. Oh, man. Yeah. uh, (laughs) I'm assuming this is what you watch. Yes. Okay. Uh, it, it, it was it was recorded on my DVR during the during the week of Halloween when Ron Perlman was was programming TCM's uh, like lineup. So this is a Perlman selection. Yes, this okay. is a Ron Perlman special. Um, and you know I, I watched it and it's it's one of the most like like just just queeze inducing movies you've ever seen. I mean, okay. like, like you are just cringing through the whole thing. And uh, I. I I, I would semi recommend it just for as a curiosity, but I mean, like, if anybody checks this out, like, don't blame me, please. So ass- blame Ron Perlman. <laughs> I'm assuming it's a, a horror movie. Yes. Is it? When when was it made? Uh, 1973, I think. Okay. Um, and it's just about a guy who is like, who is who? He's like 20 years old, and he he lives as a baby. He's in a crib. His mother. I think I've heard of this movie. Oh, I, I I first saw the preview for it when I I watched The Count of Monte Cristo with Gerard Depardieu on DVD. <laughs> And I, I was like, oh man, what the fuck is that? And and I then I like it was like two years later, I, the, I see it's on Ron Perlman Selects. The know? baby was on a preview for yes, Count of Monte Cristo. Yes. <laughs> yes. What? I, I know the, the damnedest thing. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. I, I watched a movie that came out this year in twenty sixteen. It's a another New Zealand film from Taika Waititi. It's mm. called Hunt for the Wilder People. Oh. Uh it's his latest movie. And it, it stars Sam Neill and uh, some other kid who's a New Zealand actor, I guess, uh-huh. and maybe some other famous people uh, that I'm not aware of from New Zealand. Okay. But, uh, it was a pretty good movie. Um, it's kind of a drama comedy kind of thing that he's really good at making. Mm-hmm. And for those who don't remember, he did that What We Do in the Shadows movie. Yes. This is far different from that. Okay. But um, it's about this old man and the kid who come to you know appreciate and need each other. They get lost in the woods. And people think that he had kidnapped the kid and, like, they end up hiding out in the woods and become, like, you know, father and son. Okay. Uh, because he kind of has adopted the kid already but hates him. So <laughs> uh, it was a pretty good movie. It wasn't as funny as I thought it'd be. Not as good as I thought it'd be, but it was still good. Okay. Um, it's a good PG-13 kind of family movie. So nice. check it out. Mm-hmm. So now let's talk about something we know we can both agree on finally, Dave. <laughs> right. After these last few weeks. Oh, whew. man. M from 1931. Why don't you give everyone a synopsis? Okay, so in this movie M from 1931, like uh, Scott said, the actual plot of the movie is just that there's this this child murderer that's on the loose in Berlin, and um, everyone is is uh, kind of you know on edge because he he's done he's done a lot of killings. He he's killed a lot of kids, and um, everyone wants to you know end his his uh, you know his spree, but. Um, that that's just kind of like window dressing, really, for for what's really going on in the movie. Um, the whole movie is also a commentary just on both criminality and what was in the air in Weimar Germany at the time. Mm-hmm. And you know, we'll get into like a lot of the stuff that's behind all this as we talk about the movie. Yeah. Um. Like I said, we did some movies we disagreed on in the last couple weeks. Yeah. This one, I'm so glad we did this because <laughs> we both know it's a great film. Yes. So we finally can agree and just appreciate quality cinema. (laughs) This movie came out in 1931. It was the first talkie made by Fritz Lang. Yeah. And you couldn't tell, but I mean, you couldn't tell for sure. That's how good it is. I know. This movie's better than 
99% of the movies made after 1931. Oh, dude, absolutely. It's so good. Yeah, it's a masterpiece. Uh-huh. So Peter Lorre plays the murderer. Uh-huh. When we first meet him, we know he's the murderer. Yep. It's not a who- It's not a who done it. Yeah, it's not a who done it. Right. It's we know the murderer and the police are trying to get him. Mm-hmm. And also the crooks are trying to get him. Yeah. Because the crooks can't even rob people anymore. Because this guy's murdering people, and there's so many cops out looking for him, they can't work. Right. (laughs) So the great thing about the movie is it's juxtaposing the police and the crooks both trying to accomplish the same goal. Yes. And that's something... This might be the first time that's ever been done on film. I I can't recall another time. Like, this movie could be, like, the first police procedural ever made. And just so many elements in this film, like, Mm -hmm. you can tell things just took off in these directions from this film. Yes. Like, these kinds of movies. Right. Uh, Just like with Metropolis that Fritz Lang did, Uh like, a huge science fiction influence on, you know, Ridley Scott and George Lucas and everybody, basically. Right. Uh, Like, yeah, this movie is a masterpiece. It is. Mm -hmm. And and the movie is, like, it's it's modernity. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, like it's, it's... Everything that we know of movies today comes from like like what this movie was kind of w- was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and like if you watch old Hollywood movies, there's there's a ton of great old Hollywood movies from from the 1930s and the 20s, uh, like like Talkies and Silent, mm-hmm. where, where you watch them and like you can still regard them as great and and think that they're fun to watch. Right. But but there's going to be some stuff in there that kind of doesn't live up to like our standards of movies, you know, here in in present day. Yeah, yeah. That's not the case with M or a lot of European cinema from around this time. Exactly. I mean, they they were just doing things that were and Asian cinema as well. Mm-hmm. Like like they, they were all doing things on the other side of the world that were just far Japan beyond. Japan was insane, man. I mean, they were like, so Ozu good. Like Ozu stuff, it's just oh, insanely man. good. I know. Exactly. Ozu is who I was thinking of. Actually. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And dude, like. This is so early. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, Germany's been making films forever. Yes. They used to have a huge business before Nazi Germany came around. Oh, absolutely. And this right. is pre-Nazi Germany. Mm-hmm. That's right. Well, Nazi rule. Right. But yes. It's Weimar Germany, which is like the, yeah. between World War One and the Nazis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And because of that, like, Fritz Lang actually had to flee Germany because so did of Peter this Lurie. shit. So did Peter mm-hmm. Lorre. Then he became a huge star in America yes. because of that. Right. You know? <laughs> which is so crazy. Man. I know. Like, you look at movies from these time periods and you're like, what could have been like if, you know, World War Two hadn't changed everything? Absolutely. Like, wow. Mm-hmm. This, I mean, maybe Peter Lorre would never have came over here. Maybe never. you never have Cairo from Maltese Falcon. Exactly. I mean, you never know what would have happened. He, he, he'd never been in Casablanca. Yeah. I mean, it just nothing. Went, nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, um, uh, Gustav Grungens, um, he plays the safe cracker. Oh, yeah, Safecracker. Um, he is also a very interesting guy in real life. I mean, he, he went on to become a big movie star and drama star in, in Germany. Uh-huh. Um, and he was... And he was kind of in bed with the Nazis. Oh, like, really? Like, they were kind of letting him, like, run the National Theater. And he was, like... I don't I don't think he was friends with anybody. I don't know if he was actually a party member. But um, he was, you know, like, like, kind of signed off on by the Nazi party as, like, you know an artist as as someone to to admire the people should admire this man okay a book and then subsequently a film was made about his life called Mephisto um from, oh that's about him yes it's oh, about I didn't know Gringans yeah okay um uh, it's just it, it's a weird thing that just happens to be part of this Fritz Lang world mm-hmm. where um he he got his start in in that German expressionism that was highly influenced by like Jewish filmmakers mm-hmm. and meanwhile he's profiting off of you know the completely the yeah, opposite exactly stuff. yeah right now 
Peter Lorre was Jewish, right? He was. Yeah. yeah. And was Fritz Lang Jewish? Or did he just flee because they were thinking he was propaganda against the Nazi party? You know, I don't know if he was Jewish or not. I don't think um, he was. Right. Okay. I know that like a lot of other German filmmakers were. I mean, yeah. like, like F.W. Murnau and um, G.W. Pabst. I don't know if Eric von Stroheim was. Okay. Um, but they, but like all of their films were were of the same style, even if it wasn't, and it wasn't like a uniquely Jewish um, perspective. But it was because they were Jews, you know, like right. it was. We got to get this out of here. Exactly. They can't be influencing right anything right. in this culture. German culture, it, it needs to be triumphant. Oh God. Yeah. Man, I know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it makes me hate being German. <laughs> It makes you hate your heritage. Right? I'm half French, though, <laughs> yes, too, so true. they hate each other. Yes, absolutely. Um, <laughs> so the movie, there's your history lesson, folks. We'll probably still bring up stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's going to come up. The movie itself is very kind of simple, mm-hmm. like the story. Yeah. But it's the way it's done and the way it's told that makes it amazing. Right. Like So we've mentioned Peter Lorre is this serial killer, Beckert. Hans Beckert. Yeah. Hans Beckert, correct. And he is fleeing the police and these criminals. Yeah. And that criminals end up catching him, and they throw him in a kangaroo court, and they're going to murder him. Mm-hmm. And he has a big old confessional at the end about how he can't help himself. Yes. And every time he does it, he doesn't know why. Mm-hmm. And it's a really good look into mental illness yes. and things like that. Yes. And then the end of the movie, the police show up so he doesn't get killed, and mm-hmm. I guess he gets a fair trial then. Right. But- the, that's all the movie really is. I know. And you see a lot of how it affects the town itself, too. The, the sweeping paranoia over the whole city. People on the street accusing each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, a father could be walking his daughter down the street, and they'll say, hey, that's the murderer. Yeah. Look, he's got his hand on that girl. Yep. It's this paranoia that the whole town is just consumed by. Right. It's about mass hysteria yep. and, like, mob rule. Mm-hmm. Um, and Peter Lorre is first billed, and we know it as Peter Lorre and M, and he is not part of the movie for a good hour. You, you don't know? see him. You don't see him, uh, other than just like the the first scene and like kind of toward the end. And his character is on is coming out of everybody is on everyone's lips. You know, mm-hmm. like they're talking about him constantly. Mm-hmm. But it, like the the movie is like you said about the town, about Berlin, and and like how this this. Uh, this mob mentality. Yes, yeah. yes. And everyone just, just like wants to solve this. Maybe not even like the, their, their original motivation is to protect children, but they also are kind of like there's blood in the water. Mm-hmm. And they're all kind of like like working toward this one goal. When you have something to work for and you have a goal during the day, mm-hmm. it makes things, you know, it makes life worth living. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're really down to like catch this guy. And I loved how the criminals... Are wanting to stop him too. Me too. Like I really love that aspect of the film. Yeah. There's a great scene when it shows the criminal leaders and the police leaders both brainstorming on what to do. Uh-huh. And Fritz Lang keeps cutting between each group of people and like <laughs> they're finishing each other's sentences and things. Yeah. Like this is nineteen thirty one, man. <laughs> this is the first sound film he's ever made and he's doing things like this it's amazing this is like the first time yeah. this yeah. stuff's ever been done and, and and we're recognizing it as like like just insanely modern yeah in 2016 i mean like think what it must have been like in 1931 if all you've even if you've gone to movies for for the last 15 years as just a, a, a as a critic or a fan mm-hmm. um and you're seeing this kind of style for the first time i mean it must have just knocked you out like like it had to yeah because, I mean, you, you've never seen this before. And even still, like, even though we've seen it before, it still knocks you out because, it, cause, like, you're reflecting on both that it's 1931 and also that the people who have tried to do it since then haven't done it as well as he has. 
it's it's absurd to think about it. it uh, it's mind yeah, blowing. It is because, like you said, this is so good compared to most stuff. I know. Post nineteen thirty one, man. I, I, I it's it's indescribable. And e- even really. okay, you and I, we both know. All right, it's his first talky film he's ever made. Yeah. It's 1931. <laughs> Sound movies have been around like two years, maybe. Yes, right. <laughs> this is a huge accomplishment. Uh huh. Even if we didn't know that stuff, right? It's still great. Oh, absolutely. It's just amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a it's a movie that that is like so timeless. Um, and and if it weren't in black and white, like like you would, and and people weren't wearing fedoras. Yeah. Like it, it's 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 what what we know the world looks like. Yep. Um, and you had mentioned the French New Wave that yeah. influenced all ho- old Hollywood kind of left after that with yes, all the uh-huh. American New Wave cinema coming right. out. This looks just like that stuff. Like, mm-hmm. oh, it yeah. looks yeah. Um, like a modern movie. Like, we keep hammering that into the ground. Right. But, like, this is 30 years before that shit. I mean, 20, like, 25 years. Man. I know. And it, and it's it just just think of, like, like, like kind of underground... Uh, not underground, but like, um, like cinema about criminals in 1931 in America is stuff that we love. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's James Cagney and, yeah. and Paul Muni, but it's it looks like a movie. It does. It looks old Hollywood kind of. Yes. Yeah. It looks yes. like backlot sets and totally. stuff. Th- this doesn't. This man. looks like it's filmed on the streets of I Berlin. <laughs> That's right. Which it might have been. Well, it, that that train station is is definitely you know like that that is. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, that that's a real place. Mm-hmm. And, and you see all the people like coming out of it and filtering away, and like like that just wasn't being done. You know, at at that time, everything was on. It's a set. amazing. Like yeah. the camera work in this movie oh, drives man. me insane. I know because it's so good. Yeah, I wrote down the cinematographer's name. Okay. Fritz Arno Wagner. Okay. So good work, man. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, Fritz Lang had a huge hand on it, too. Absolutely. I mean, it's his direction telling mm-hmm. him what to do. Right. Um, this camera work is amazing. And I hate to keep harping on because it's 1931. <laughs> um, but that just makes it so much cooler. I know. That these techniques were being used by this guy at this time. Like, there's a scene when the camera is like panning, it's almost like a steady cam shot through this restaurant. It is. It, yeah, and the Steadicam wasn't invented for like 40 years no, or some shit. No, of course not. Dude, and it looks so good. So, I mean, is this guy being pulled on a dolly by crewmen while he's cranking the camera himself? Maybe. I, mean, like, is I that don't what's know, happening? but it looks great. Yeah. And it goes through like windows and yes. like around corners and everything. And then it stops on a wall and pans up. The camera pans up to a window. And the window, it's like perfect editing is the inside of the police station. So we're like, while we go up to this window from inside this restaurant, there's a transition to outside the police station where we now exist, looking into the police station, and it's seamless. All the techniques that we marvel at in Citizen Kane are in this movie. Right, right. I mean, Fritz Dude. Lang was doing it like 10 years before Orson Welles was. Ugh. Yeah, it's 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 really like stupefying. Like, like when you consider like like how inventive these guys were um, and and then put it up against, you know, uh, Fast and the Furious 8, you know, or some <laughs> bullshit that we have today. And you see just how off the line that crap is um, ver- ver- versus what, what, what they were just coming up with when they didn't have the technology, you know? <laughs> Honestly. Anytime you mention Fast and the Furious, I'm going to laugh. That always gets. I want to see Fritz Lang's Fast Eight. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would watch. Even I mean, though like, he's been dead for forty years, <laughs> yeah, but still. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, 
Um, I mean, I guess too that like like with just just Hollywood. Um, I mean, I I guess whenever we're we're comparing, uh, movies like like uh, when we judge films like we do other art, it's important. Like I I always used to when I was when I was like going through college and like uh it, it was during the uh like an art class. Uh huh. Um, like I always I. I kind of bristled at like, why are we, why are we categorizing everything? Why, why is this, you know, neoclassical? Why is this, you know, from the Romantic period? Why is this kind of like, why is this Rococo? Why is this right. Renaissance? And and then it kind of dawned on me halfway through, like, oh well, because it's important that we have to classify things this way because mm-hmm. we can't compare something that happened three thousand years ago fairly with something that happened, you know, fifteen hundred years ago. Exactly. Yeah. It's just different. Right. Um, so when we compare like M to Goodfellas. Um, yeah, it, it's it's you know like like maybe maybe for entertainment value, um, it's it's not going to be quite as on the level of Goodfellas. But when you compare just technique and and from like kind of the motivations of the filmmakers, like it's on par with anything Scorsese's done. Yeah, I'm sure Fritz Lang was a huge influence on Scorsese. I'm sure of I'm it. I'm positive, and I, and I know that if we sat down and like just like looked for Scorsese interviews, he's probably dropping Fritz Lang's name nonstop mm-hmm. because he he was a fan of all that stuff. He's I know always he was. putting out lists of foreign films Absolutely. everyone should watch. M yes. is on that list. Yes, man. yes, it is. Uh huh. And and that's why this movie is so often cited as one of the greatest of all time because like it is undeniably a masterpiece. Like no matter what era it's from. Right, both in technique and story and and acting as well. I mean, like like just the the performances in this movie. Peter Lorre <laughs> is amazing, and like you said, he's in he's probably only in the movie for half the movie. I know. You see his shadow at the beginning, getting yeah. little Elsie Parker or whatever the fuck. Elsie uh, <laughs> Elsie something Beckman Beckman. Yes, but um. You see a shadow and silhouette getting her a balloon and all this stuff, and it's so good. That's a stunning shot. It's so good, yeah. man. <laughs> and um. But that's it. You don't see him forever. I know. And then you finally see him coming out of his apartment, and he's kind of stalking a girl. Yep. He sees her in the window. He's looking in a shop window, mm-hmm. and in the reflection, he sees a little girl. And we're focused on his face and the expressions he's making about the thoughts he's having <laughs> is just so disturbing. The way he's looking at the way his eyes are kind of like lighting up and things like that. It's it's crazy stuff. And it's and it's back to the thing we've been harping about. Like Ted Levine has seen M right. a time or two. Dude, yeah, you know Buffalo Bill yes. has seen this. I mean, like 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 what he's doing in this movie is is what we know of like serial killers in movies, you know, of the last twenty years. It might be the first serial killer movie ever <laughs> it, made. I, I yeah, I, I yeah, I think it is. And then he follows that girl around and um she turns the corner and her mom is like there to come meet her. Yes. And then it shows him ducked down like a corner and standing like he's doing nothing. Right. Know? And this kind of movie has the balls to tackle this kind of subject matter and show that stuff. Like, I don't know what kind of the standards were for that kind of stuff in Germany around this time. But yeah. I'm guessing it's not like something like this. Like, right. This right. is a taboo subject matter no matter what time oh, you're yeah. in. Oh, you, yeah. You couldn't, you probably, I bet you'd have trouble getting this movie made today. Even in America, pre-code. Like, of course. It would still be hard. Right, um, right. But the way he's presenting his serial killer character is it's so true and mm-hmm. like disturbing. Yes, mm-hmm. because he's he's so anguished, like like in 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 what he when you said about how he's like either looking in the mirror that time it was after he first kills Elsie Beckman, uh-huh. and he writes that letter to the um to the newspaper like the Zodiac, right? Yeah, and um and like he's looking in he's looking into into a mirror or a window, and he's he's uh, kind of like agonizing over what he's done. And he's um, he's pulling his fingers down 
down his face. Like um, pulling his eyelids down, yes. like, oh, right. what have I done? Right, because mm-hmm. he's... It's it's not like the serial killers we know who are who are getting like a some kind of like weird thrill from doing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. He's doing it as we find out later in order to stop the voices in his head mm-hmm. uh, that are telling him to do these things. It's compulsive. Yes, as as they get into in the trial, uh-huh. which we can talk about the trial in a minute. Right, but then also Peter Laurie, just some of my favorite scenes with him is he gets chased down the alley by by the homeless people who mm-hmm. are the eyes and ears for the gangsters. Yes. who are hunting them down. There's a shot where it's just like a very high aerial shot from maybe the top of a building or mm-hmm. something. And it's a huge wide master shot. And you see him run up an alley, stop because someone shows up, runs back the other way, stop because someone's there, runs the <laughs> yes. other way. It is such a cool, iconic shot. I know. Like, this is a movie poster right here, man. Right. It's so awesome. And um, he gets chased into a building and the crooks go in after him. There's a scene when he's hiding in like the storeroom, and the camera's just there. It's a master shot on him hiding behind boxes, looking. He's looking at the camera mm-hmm. because I guess the gangsters are behind the camera, coming right. towards him, trying to break through. His reactions to these people breaking through these walls and doors and stuff is so intense <laughs> and terrifying. Like you can tell, he's fearing for his life. Even though, you know, he's a serial killer, you know? Yeah. Whatever. He probably doesn't care. Right. No, this guy's terrified because yeah. he's just a dude Yeah. who happens to do this thing. Right. And he knows what these guys are capable oh, of. Oh, and he knows what's going to happen. Right. Because mm-hmm. um, these are real killers. Yeah. The, the ways his, his eyes just bug out mm-hmm. or when he gets startled, he just moves real quick. Yes. This is great acting, man. It's, and it's physical acting. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's he's like using every instrument that he has mm-hmm. to 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 make this character come alive. He's wordless. He's wordless almost until the end of the movie. You're right. Mm-hmm. Yep. The the only time he's whistling, yeah, he's and, whistling and, that call of the mountain king or whatever. Yes, right. <laughs> yeah. Um. And 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 the the rest of the time, um, you you, you know, like like the the. Um, other than other than just the, the, those little times where, where, where we see him like like doing what he's doing, like maybe stalking someone, the rest of the time it's the authorities and the crooks plotting on how they're going to catch Peter Lorre. Mm-hmm. And the way they do catch him is the bums of Berlin yeah. are kind of assembled by the crooks. Yeah. And uh, dispatched to like keep their eyes, you know, open on the street yep. for, for for Peter Laurie. Mm-hmm. and the blind man who sells him and Elsie a balloon in one of the first scenes in the movie mm-hmm. recognizes the Mountain King song, the whistle, the mm-hmm. whistle, mm-hmm. Um, and he he immediately knows what's going on. Yep, and he tells one of his other his other friends, like a younger guy, to go get him. So the younger guy starts stalking Peter Laurie with this girl, mm-hmm. and he draws with chalk an M on his hand. And he then pretends to trip and run into Peter Laurie, and he stamps his hand with chalk on the back of Peter Laurie's uh, greatcoat. Right. And now he's go- now he's marked. Now he's got the M on him. Yes. And now the whole city will know, you know, mm-hmm. who this guy is, and they can all kind of like, you know, close in on him. I think it's a perfect choice for the title of the movie. Yes. Um, originally, it was going to be Murderer Among Us or mm-hmm. some shit like that. Right, right. And Fritz Lang changed it because, you know, that's not as intriguing as M, you know? True, you, you don't know what you're getting. I mean, right. M, okay, what letters start with M? <laughs> <laughs> right. Murder, definitely. Uh-huh. Right, know? right. Marked, you know, yeah. it all. It's, Absolutely. It's it's good call, sir. <laughs> good yes, call. Yes, that was good instincts. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> and I'm glad you brought up that, that shot of him 
um, with his shadow on the wanted poster because mm-hmm. it's it's probably one of my favorite shots. Just I mean, probably not my favorite, but like one of the one of the favorite shots in cinema. It's great. You know, it's just it's there's a wanted poster on um, on like a post, a very wide post, and it's it's talking about like what what uh, Hans Becker has been doing, and. Like little Elsie Beckman, who's the first victim that we see of the killer. Um, right, he, he's had several victims before the start of the movie. She's like the eighth victim or something. She's the eighth yeah. person. He's the eighth kid he's killed. Mm-hmm. Um, she goes up to read it, and from the right side of the screen, we see a man in the fedora's shadow come and kind of like envelop the wanted poster. Mm-hmm. Well, when you think about just what what they're what he's doing with shadows and light there, yeah, and how hard that is to capture, you have to have everything go right. And yeah. it's probably going to take, you know, it's not going to be d- get done on the first take. So, so everybody's got to be really patient. Everyone's got to hit their marks, mm-hmm. and so everyone has to be in, you know, like like really on their game to get a right. shot like that. Right. Yeah. Just the, the technical prowess it takes to pull yeah. that shot off. Yeah. Like the, the whole movie. God damn. I know. It's great, but not even that. Just from a story point, like the murderer's own shadow covers the wanted poster. It's his wanted poster, man. It's it's really it's great. Awesome. Yeah. Like we know from we know right then this is the dude, man. <laughs> like right away at the beginning, we're like, we know what kind of world we're in uh-huh. and what kind of people are in this. Like yeah. they do such a great job with it. I know. And and another thing with the, the sound, like Oh my god. Like yeah. uh the beginning of the movie is Elsie's not coming home, you know? Uh-huh. And her mother is calling for her. And there's shots of her calling Elsie's name kind of desperately yeah. after a while. And the camera is just sitting there on like an empty hallway or an empty staircase with the sound echoing down it. This is like advanced sound stuff. Like, it is. This is great technique. Like, I, I, I guess you could argue at this time in the 1930, people are able to look at visuals and hear different sounds without being disassociated from them. Uh-huh. But like probably not to this level. Right. Like, because, you know, people before this wouldn't be able to tell, like, someone said something, they'd have to see a person talking. Yeah. Like, they'd need some kind of connection to this, you know, visual stuff. Yeah. But like this, he's showing images that are overlaid by different sounds, like, that aren't in that scene. Okay, yeah, you're right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, just putting that in his first talkie is insane. (laughs) Right. And to to have, like, like... The, the absence of sound, you know, in other Yeah, the other scene times. with the cars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, just, like, not having any Foley done, and so you don't even hear, like, footfalls. Yeah. Um, it's just it's just people, like, going in and out of buildings, and, like, you're, you're wondering, is my, is, did I hit the mute button on accident? You know? Yeah. And then also using it, like, right after the whole thing of, like, when she's calling Elsie's name, it's doing a montage after they show that, the empty hallway of, mm-hmm. like, the aftermath of the murder, mm-hmm. culminating in that really haunting shot of the power lines with that balloon in there. Yeah, yeah. Because the balloon that they had purchased from the blind man, is it's shaped like a, a person, kind of. Yeah. Like, with, with weird, flimsy... It looks like Mr. Bill. Yeah, it looks like Mr. Bill, dude. Yeah. And it's stuck in the power line. Right. Yep. There's your symbolism right there, right. dude. Right. Uh, <laughs> you don't need to show a kid <laughs> being torn so, apart. You yeah. just, just show like a few shots and you know what happened. <sighs> and, it's, and it's even more horrific because you have to imagine what, what, what Becker did to this girl. And you see the knife he has later and you're like, God, that's the knife he's using to kill everybody. He's got like, an actual switchblade. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Um, I forgot where I was going. Oh, the, the sound with the, the yeah. cars driving and the footsteps. Yeah, like, not, yeah being in those scenes it's completely silent uh-huh at first i thought is this is this some kind of like mistake they didn't shoot on the right film or right. like what 
No, it was intentional. He left the sound out of these scenes so that when the police whistle blows, it's like, whoa. Yes. It wakes you right up. Yes. Great stuff. <laughs> Great I know, work, man. man. I know. And in Hollywood, they would have shut that down. There, There's, um on the Blu-ray, I was watching some bonus stuff, and there's another cut where they have Foley yes, work on I that and stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. Which is, it still was good. It still looks like a movie. It's still right. great. It's fine. It sounds good. It's fine. Yep. But the choice to leave out the sound, mm-hmm. it's so bizarre to me. It is. Like, were people toying with sound and technique and stuff like this I mean, at this time? I, like, yeah. I mean, like, because, I mean, if you if you watch, like, Nosferatu, I mean, you know, or anything from Germany from around that well, time. Well, that's pure silence, though, but, right? But but it's it's also, though, like, just, just techniques in, in general. Well, I mean, the shadow use in Nosferatu yeah. was, like, yeah. groundbreaking. It was. Mm-hmm. So any, any kind of, um, like... Whatever isn't just just training your lens on a, on a subject like like that that's what all the German filmmakers were. were yeah, were this German. With. Yeah, this period in Germany was very experimental. Yes, uh, groundbreaking stuff. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I just am so happy we're doing a good movie. I know like... it's so nice to gush about something. <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> right? This is the show. Um, yeah, get used to it. Right. <laughs> And like the 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 montage um, d- during the uh, the phone call with the authorities, the police chief is talking to I guess the mayor. The, the, the yeah, someone right. Yeah, and the there the the conversation goes on for a long time. It's about fifteen to twenty minutes. Mm-hmm. And throughout, like the, the they'll show both guys like on either end of the phone, but then they're also showing images from like just Berlin. Yep. You know, so so like this is what's what's going on here. This is what's going on here. Mm-hmm. And throughout all this, the police have started staging these raids mm-hmm. on on various um like that's what gets the gangsters to to you know like right these, get these underbelly establishments. Yes. You know, right. Drinking, sure. whoring, mm-hmm. all these all, places. Yeah. Kit Kat clubs mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Yeah, that's all going on. It's like cabaret. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're they're going down there and they're raiding these places because they 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 think because it's a child murderer that this person must be you know like kind of in the scene you yeah. know like the, he, he's probably out on the town and he's stuff like that he's just a depraved one of these individuals yep, exactly man. He, he goes and he gets he gets syphilis in these in these like little dives well uh, he must be a terrible person man yes yes he must be like like just a, a real hard case who goes and, and like goes out wenching and, and drinking all the time right and there's a scene when the, the there's like a psychoanalyst talking about oh this guy <laughs> has suppressed sexual feelings for his mother and all yes. all this Freud shit you know <laughs> right. um, and that's they just based on like the way he writes his name in the letter yeah like they they draw this conclusion out <laughs> it's like it's a great commentary on how these establishments can be so far off oh i know yeah and just think they're so right 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 and could very easily lock up the wrong person by 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 right. like, adhering to this crap uh-huh not not ever you know like i guess around that time i mean you know m- maybe today uh profilers would suspect a loner who who never goes anywhere. Well, yeah. Now they know that's. I think most serial killers now, you know, Th- that's white male. Yes, mid thirties or something. Uh-huh, that's right. Lives alone. Yep. Exactly. Most of the time now. Most, that, that's that's how it works. That's Peter Laurie in this movie. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Peter Laurie was Ted Bundy and everybody else. Right. I mean, like like he was the blueprint for catching serial killers. Was it, Peter Laurie it, and M. Fritz Lo- Fritz Lang's fault. It's his <laughs> yes, fault. That's right. <laughs> We gotta be looking over our shoulders every day because a friend's <laughs> like compelled to do it. <laughs> um, yeah, and like it all. Um, once the criminals kind of get their, uh, like, like they, they've done their own detective work, 
And so once once Peter Lorre is now marked, they mm-hmm. they decide to, they come up with this plan where they're gonna capture him in this uh, like security uh, like savings and loan place. Right. It's like a, a business building. Just a, an office yeah. building. Yeah, right. an office building. And they dress up as the cops. Gustav Grundgren's, uh, uh-huh. you know, like has this like police outfit, and he, um, him along with the other gangsters, they they corner Peter Lorre, and right. And they have the night watchmen, like kind of uh, like there's three night watchmen, and they're all like tied up and you know subdued, mm-hmm. and one of them trips the silent alarm, which I didn't even know existed back then. Maybe it didn't. Maybe that yeah. was another invention of Fritz Lang. Uh, but who knows? <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> he actually wrote Star Trek too. By the way, <laughs> yes, that's right. That's right. Him and Roddenberry got together. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but like that alerts the cops to what's going on. But they mm-hmm. still are able to spirit Peter Lorre out of there once they once they find him. Right before they before the cops show, they capture him in that in that storage room I had mentioned earlier. Yes. They bag him up and take him out. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when we get to the kangaroo court. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Whew. One of the best sequences really in movie history. I mean, of any, you know, I I, I, I ended up watching the, the, the trial a few times. Um, like it's, I watched the yeah. movie all the way through and then I just went back and, and, you know, checked out the trial again because it's it's just such a, a masterclass of both acting for Peter Lorre and also another great example of what you can do with sound mm-hmm. and with shadows and with like cramming that many people into a room. Yeah. Um, and like like what Peter Lorre is doing, like it's very hard to pull off a soliloquy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Like usually like when you're when you're doing film acting, you want to act off of something else. Mm-hmm. And like for him to be doing what he's doing um, is I mean, it, it's it's kind of unreal for that time or mm-hmm. today's time. It's great, yeah. And and it's and it's so full of progressive ideas and like it's it's asking you to like identify with someone who has committed murder on children, you know, like right. multiple times. They want you to be almost sympathetic for him in That's a right. way mm-hmm. because he he goes on saying like he doesn't want to do this. Yes, he just has to do it. Yes, he's compelled to do it. And it's just like these voices in his head and demons just saying, you got to do it, do it, do right. it. And he finally gives in. And for that split second, when he does it, he's at peace. Yes. And then he wakes up not knowing what's going on. And he realizes what has happened. And he's just devastated mm-hmm. and terrified. Right. And he can't do anything about it. Right. Like the way they present this as not some psychopathic, crazed killing machine. Right. Like you said, is very progressive, man. I know. And audiences in 1931, they want you to identify with a serial killer? Out of the question. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Out of the question. Right. (laughs) And the way he performs this monologue here. Oh, man. You feel for him, dude. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, he's a murderer. You don't like him. (laughs) No. But you kind of understand where he's coming from. I know. The way he explains it about like being tormented um, so badly, you know, by, by, I mean, if you've ever heard voices... Like, like actually like you're, you're like, you know, hallucinatory, um, audio, mm-hmm. you know, like it's terrifying. I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it's like, you really do believe that you are, you know, out of your tree mm-hmm. and to have that, to have it be going on. Like when you think about someone who truly is clinically insane and has that happen to them, you know, just nonstop and how, for how many centuries it went on untreated, mm-hmm. um, like what, what that must've been like, um, you know, people people back then and even still today can't really engage with it. It's it's just like they're they're focusing on the deeds of this person and saying, you know, let's 
let's not only lock them up, but let's light them up mm-hmm. um, instead of like like actually treating them and finding out what the what the right. ca- what the cause of this stuff is. Right. Because um, he was in the mental house and they let him out. Yes. So they're everyone's blaming the system for letting him out and stuff. Right. And that's why the criminals are just going to take care of him because right. he's just going to get out in six months and kill again. Right. And he has a great part of his speech. You know, after after he explains his own his own issues, he 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 looks at at uh, Gustav Grungrens and says, uh, you know, I'm not like you. You, you. you and your you and your lot you you go around committing crimes uh-huh. and you can help it. Right. Yeah, you have no reason to do this. Exactly. You're hurting people yes. because you choose to. Uh, it's <laughs> devastating. Take a look at yourself. Yes, I know. Right. Right. You guys are all criminals uh, by choice. Yes. It's it's such a great touch. And I love how like the police are like right behind him the yeah. whole time as well. Yeah. Like we said it's a police procedural almost in ways uh-huh. and they're showing them get clues, track it down. Right, gathering evidence. And they they're right on their heels the right. whole time. Mm-hmm. Just the, the crooks are one step ahead. Yeah. Like barely a step ahead. Yeah. And having the criminals capture them is so much far it's far more interesting than having the cops just catch them. Oh yeah. Because yeah, then dude. you get scenes like this, yes. man. Yes. You get the crooks are gonna kill this dude, <laughs> you know, and and they appoint him a lawyer, like right, almost yeah. as a, as a like a, as a an afterthought, joke right? Yes, because yeah. they're not gonna like put any stock into what this dude says. And what the dude says though is actually great. Yeah, because he's like, I guess he's taking it seriously. Like I'm gonna try to defend this dude. He does. He gives him a defense, and he's like, he said he's compelled to do it. It's compulsion. Compulsion must be acquitted because that's not a choice. There. Yes. Yes. Um. And, and that just talks about his mental illness. Like, he can't control himself. Mm-hmm. It's not his choice. These criminals are choosing this shit. <laughs> not this guy, man. It's the best indictment of, uh-huh. like, criminal behavior I've ever seen is when he... And it's the, probably another criminal saying this shit. Of course it is. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> to, to, like, look at a mobster and say, you're doing this uh-huh. because you want to do it. Yep. You know, and I mean... The, yeah. And the mob starts to get a little antsy. Uh-huh. And they're like, well, let's get him. Let's kill him. Right. And they, they start ganging up, getting closer to him. And and right when they're about to get them, they all stop and it's silent and they put their hands up, and they don't show it. Nope. But the cops have showed up at <laughs> at the warehouse because they were right on their heels the whole time. Like uh-huh. we said, it's so good. And they don't show like the cops pulling up and being like, "Hey, get out of there!" Yeah, Crooks. exactly. That's right. We're here. No, they don't do that shit. They uh-huh. just. Sh- Oh, it's so good the way they just show this, and and we're we're, we're marveling about all this 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 great like um like innovative technique and everything. I mean, like an innovative technique is to show nothing, right? You know, like like uh, let's. I mean, all you see is one hand come on Peter Laurie's shoulder as the big reveal of it's the cops. Uh huh. It's such a beautiful choice, and you, you think about how how unnecessary like staging something big like that is. Uh huh. Um, you don't need to do it. All you have to do is have the reaction of the people, like putting their hands up. It's so awesome. It's so brilliant. Right. And on on this this Blu-ray, they had, on the extras, they were showing the different cuts of the film throughout uh-huh. history. And the French cut, they actually the scene when the the we talk about how there's no sound when the cars and the footsteps are going. Yeah. They cut that in at this part <laughs> and show the cops coming in. <laughs> right. They take the same footage and put yeah, it there. Yeah, that's right. Because right. the French uh-huh. audience can't handle this sure. stuff. Uh-huh. Whatever. Yeah. They, they got to wait another 20, 30 years yeah, before exactly. they can handle right. that. They got to wait for Godard to show up. <laughs> yeah. Jean-Luc's not out there exactly. yet. Exactly. But again, like you said, great choice, man. Uh-huh. You don't have to see these cops say, put them up. Right. <laughs> 
And it's cool, too, um, also, like, throughout the film, I know that they were cheating a little bit with their German translations. Um, like, you hear like you hear somebody say something, and uh-huh. what comes out of it is, like, almost, um, like, like Edward G. Robinson-style language on okay. the subtitles. <laughs> so, so it's like, okay, that's pretty cool. Um, you know, and, and it, it, it's something that, like, I, I wish, I'm going to write a letter to Criterion, a strongly worded letter, mm-hmm. um, like asking them, hey guys, can you maybe consider using yellow subtitles? Um, or, okay. you know, like, because I've seen it done on like, um, on some French films, yeah. and, it, and it's way better than having to squint to see, uh, like in some cases where, where, where you're like putting subtitles against a wall, it's hard to see this stuff. It is. Yeah. I've seen a lot of films with yellow, Me and too. a bunch mm-hmm. with white, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yellow's easier, I guess. It very much so. I don't know, the white looks better though. It does. And I, I know that they're doing it because they don't want to like, you know, mess up Fritz Lang's beautiful photography. Uh-huh. Um that's that's the reason for it. I get it. Maybe but, a color I mean... film can get yellow. Black <laughs> and white gets white. <laughs> that right. sucks. It does. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> um and like just about the kangaroo court in general, like People always like people. I say people like myself, even included. We we all kind of, whenever we hear about a really horrific crime, we we want this kind of thing. Yeah, like that's our first instinct. Yeah, our knee jerk reaction is let's get this guy, and, and and let's put him on trial ourselves because the law can't handle it. Those mm-hmm. assholes, thumbs up their asses. Mm-hmm. Um, we're gonna take. We're gonna give out like real mob justice. Take here. care of business. Exactly. Mm-hmm. This guy's getting what's. This guy's getting his. But if if my if my if I arranged this sort of thing and and it turned out that my victim was Peter Laurie giving an impassioned speech about compulsion, mm-hmm. um, I'd be just as gobsmacked as Gustav Grundgens is with with like trying to like rally the rally everybody's you mm-hmm. know like he he tries to kind of play on the prejudices of, of of everybody who's in there. It's it's all a bunch of like working class people who are probably living hand to mouth. Mm-hmm. And the great thing about I guess the the juxtaposition of it is is even though Peter Laurie is giving this great speech about like a progressive way of handling this kind of thing, they don't ever lose the mothers who have been left behind mm-hmm. by losing their children. Like they're they're constantly given a voice throughout this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know they're not really taking a stand one way or the other. But but they're just kind of showing um, that there are two sides to it. I I really like that part. Of yeah, it. and even the very end of the movie, like the hand comes down, the cop's hand touches Peter Laurie on the shoulder. Yeah, it cuts to five or six court justices yeah. sitting down, uh-huh. and then outside the courtroom, there's the mothers. There's one mother who's crying and says something to the camera. Yeah. about how we have to do we have to be better for the children we have right. to keep a closer eye on the keep children a closer eye on the children and it, she's addressing the audience yes. it's not part of the film world right. she's talking to the viewer right because mm-hmm. at this time in germany there were a lot of murders going oh, on yeah, like that's kid right. murders uh-huh. and stuff so um i thought it was odd to have that tagged on at the end uh-huh. this kind of like psa almost <laughs> yes i know <laughs> but i mean it wasn't bad like um at the beginning of The Public Enemy, they have a PSA. I know, but I you know? Th- I think Hollywood made them put that there. <laughs> yeah, probably. Maybe the government told <laughs> yeah. LB Mayor, yeah, get this uh-huh. in there, right? <laughs> yeah, I think Hayes made that go there. <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that, it was a weird choice, but I mean, like, like it kind of fit with the rest of the movie, because even though she is breaking the fourth wall talking to the audience, it, it does fit with, I guess, like, maybe she'd be philosophical in that moment. Because yeah. we think Peter Laurie is probably going to be sent up. You know, well, he's probably going to go to the mental hospital yes, again, right? And who knows? Maybe he will get out. Maybe he's going to murder more. Yeah. But you know what? Keep a close eye on your children. Yep, that's it. Mm-hmm. Be vigilant. Yeah, be mm-hmm. vigilant. Um, 
everyone should be vigilant and go watch this movie too. Uh, I would agree with that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree with that sentiment. Um, anything else to touch on? <sighs> I mean, we don't want to go for another couple hours, which I'm sure we could. Yeah, but. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it just like we 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 we've already like kind of I guess rhapsodized enough about like how influential and how how what a, what a towering achievement the movie is, but like we can't make you understand that until you've seen it. Um, be- because you will be blown away if you sit down to watch this movie. And that's whether you're a fan of classic movies or you only like modern stuff. Right. Like, like you will enjoy yourself and you'll come away going, oh my God, I can't believe this existed 85 years ago. It's it's really amazing. And I don't, we probably sound kind of like a couple film snobs here. Sure. Like talking about all this history. And stuff. Oh, that's neoclassical period or whatever <laughs> the fuck we're saying. You know, Forget all that stuff, people. Yeah, uh-huh. It's a great movie. Yeah, that's it's it. It's a great movie. That's it. It's a rocking good time. It doesn't matter. Yep. It's great. <laughs> it's a good movie for anybody. If you don't even like foreign movies, just put up with it. 110 minutes of this thing. Yes. It's great, man. Yes, that's right. You can read white subtitles for that long. You'll yeah, be fine. that's right. Two hours of your life, it's fine. Uh-huh. So, Dave, would you recommend it? Sure. Yeah, everyone should see M. Mm-hmm. Um, this, is, this, is a, this is a great, great film. This might be the best movie we've done. We've there, we've it's done some, but I would I put this in the top five at least. It's up there with Killing Fields, Maybe even more. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's 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 way way at the top. Whew. Yeah, yeah, I'm recommending it mm-hmm. definitely. Good. So uh, that about wraps things up. If you like what you heard, please subscribe in iTunes, rate it, review it, and most of all, share it. That's the only way to get more dudes listening to the dudes. We got to get the dude army growing, Dave. That's right. We've gotta, we, we it's got to get bigger. We got to fight the Nazis. Um, always always yes till we die from it <laughs> um, if you don't use iTunes you can find us on any other podcatcher of your choosing so give us some love there share us there like us there review us there we want more reviews yeah um, or you can go to dudesonmovies.com and find anything you need right there yep and we are also very active on Facebook and Twitter just look for us just look for dudes on movies we, we post you know our episodes and we also just you know like post various things about movies on there um, mm-hmm. you know cool pictures and stuff so yeah. so you know like look us up there and, and you'll find us generally it's more like uh, supplemental things about the film we've just discussed yes you know articles about it that we find cool uh-huh. things we find sure so check out that on Facebook and stay tuned next week when we do 1977's Star Wars directed by George Lucas and you know who's in it so because <laughs> Rogue One's coming out right uh-huh we're gonna do Star Wars so I'm get a load talk, of that Star dude. Wars yep, yep. Uh, so until next week, I'm your dude Scott. I'm your dude Dave. And we'll see you next time. Yeah.